Well, sir, it's about 7.30 o'clock as we enter the small house halfway up in the next block now, and we find our friends settled for a quiet evening at home. Mr. Victor Gook lounges in his easy chair and gazes absently at the bookcase. Mrs. Victor Gook occupies a corner of the Davenport where she industriously darns gentlemen's socks, and young Rush is established at the library table. He reads aloud from a volume of colorful fiction. Through Lieutenant Clinton, Stanley glared inimically at the chief of the counterfeiting South American pygmies. What did you want to go to work and shoot me with that poisoned arrow for, he demanded. Don't talk to him. He's beneath your notice, put in Lady Margaret, who stood nearby. Very well, returned the handsome young officer. He tucked the beautiful woman's arm beneath his own, and the loving couple stalked rapidly away. Later in the afternoon, a party of explorers were to be seen, making their way slowly through the underbrush. They were under the... Oh, it's dull stuff. Yeah, it is. I imagine we'll pick up in the next chapter, though. They were under the command of Colonel Arthur V. Upscotch, a man of soldierly bearing and undaunted courage, whose exploits among the counterfeiting natives of Let's Siberia... Let's sell a restaurant, Third Lieutenant Stanley and his chums, Pete. I have an observation or two to make to your mother. Okay. Are you awake, Sadie? <laughs> I hope I am. be pretty hard for a person to darn socks asleep. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. What you say is sound and irrefutable. Hey, skipping over a few pages, I see where Third Lieutenant Stanley gets in a fight with a counterfeiting animal trainer. Brother Stanley and his adversary can wait. Kiddo, I may have my picture taken tomorrow or the next day. Your picture taken again? Why do you say your picture taken again with that air of astonishment? I haven't had my picture taken in a long, long time. That window seat is crammed jam full of pictures of you. None of which are appropriate for the purpose I have in mind. What purpose you got in mind? I received this afternoon a communication from Lodge Headquarters. Money? <laughs> well, they always do want money. I don't believe I read that section of the newspaper on the floor there by your foot. Would you hand it to me, please? Oh, now, quit acting like I broke your heart. I say nothing. What do Lodge Headquarters want with your picture? I'm convinced, Sadie, you wouldn't be interested. You may continue with your reading if you like, right? Sure. Uh, suddenly, a band of counterfeiting fishermen... What do Lodge Headquarters want with your picture, Vic? Wanted to make bread pudding out of... Suddenly, a band of counterfeiting fishermen appeared over the horizon. Third Lieutenant Stanley whipped his automatic pistol from its holster and prepared... Oh, don't read any more, Willie. Starts getting exciting from here on. Well, enjoy it by yourself. They want it for their magazine. Big pardon? Them Chicago headquarters fellas want your picture for their lodge magazine? No. No, they don't. Oh, well, still, I'm interested. I don't believe you are. I am so. Very well. I'll sketch the matter briefly. Sure. In the communication I received this afternoon, I was asked if I'd be interested in appearing with our founder... R.J. Conk in a composite photograph. Oh, really? Understand what a composite photograph is? No. No, I don't. What is it? I know, Gov. It's a photograph that's been doctored up. Roughly, you have the idea. Oh, I don't know. Is it so roughly? Well, Vic, your founder, R.J. Conk, is dead. <laughs> Ain't he? Why do you titter? <laughs> don't mean to. I only... Well, he is dead. The founder, the sacred stars, the Milky Way, R.J. Conk... Passed away 20 years ago. Well, I guess I never understood you right, but I thought you said something about having your picture taken with him. I said no such a thing. I said this. In the communication I received this afternoon, 
I was asked if I'd be interested in appearing with our founder, R.J. Conk, in a composite photograph. Mom's in the dark about what a composite photograph is. That's apparently the case. A composite photograph, Mom, is one where they doctor it up to where people are shown with people they never had their picture taken with to begin with. A very brilliant and lucid exposition. Oh, hey. Here's the thing, Sade. Chicago headquarters I have on hand a variety of photographs of R.J. Conk. Taken when he was alive? Well, naturally taken when he was alive. Oh, well, I didn't know. They have pictures of R.J. Conk where he's standing on a railroad station platform. They have pictures where he's seated in his armchair at home. They have others where he's addressing a crowd of people at the Wyoming State Fair. Where do you fit in? Dove sends a snapshot of himself to Chicago and they take a I'll process. tell this, please, Harriet. Mm. Modern science say it has made it possible to do wonderful feats with photographs. Has it? Expert craftsmen are able to superimpose one picture on another with such skill that when one views the finished product, he can't see where any meddling has been done. Well, uh, I mean that large headquarters have notified me that for a certain fee, I can send them a picture of myself, and in a short time, they'll mail me back a picture of myself, shaking hands with R.J. Conk, or talking to R.J. Conk, or sitting on R.J. Conk's knee. Oh, a doctored up business, ma'am. You've seen junk like that in the newspaper. Remember the other evening I showed a man kicking an elephant up in the air like you'd kick a football? As the exalted Big Dipper of Drowsy Venus Chapter of the Lodge, I feel that such a photograph would be worth having. Be nice to hang in my office. Or here, in the living room. Uh, let me get this straight. A picture of you shaking hands with R.J. Conk? Yes, or some other appropriate pose, perhaps. They take your picture, huh, and plaster it alongside of his picture and... It looks like the two of you had had your picture taken together. That approximates the idea. Guys, what'll them Chicago fellas think up next? I find the notion attractive. Such a picture, the likeness of me shaking hands with R.J. Conk, would be a real adornment. It'd be kind of halfway deceitful, wouldn't it? Why? Well, you never shook hands with R.J. Conk. I would like to have shaken hands with R.J. Conk. Yeah, but you never have. Suppose I got myself a picture of George Washington and doctored around to where it looked like him and I were shaking hands. You're disposed to adopt an oblique view of the better. I'll see. <laughs> Smelly Clark's uncle Stapp dearly loves to reminisce over the time him and his lady friend drove to Peoria for purpose of enjoying fish dinner. Well, sir, it just you so You pardon me, Rush, if I interrupt? Well, I hardly expect you to grasp the more or less delicate concept involved, Sade. Suffice it to say, the proposition appeals to me. And I think tomorrow I'll drop in at Moore's and have a photograph of myself taken in full large regalia. Cost you money. I doubt if the expenditure will deprive my family of the necessaries of life. We'll be able to buy groceries for supper as usual. Mm. When you have your picture taken, Gov, will you have it taken with your hand stuck out so the Chicago fellas can connect up your hand with R.J. Conk's hand? Yes. Probably when the original photograph was taken, it showed some other lug shaking hands with R.J. Conk. They'll simply blot out the other lug and paste you in. You express yourself without finesse, but that, generally speaking, is the process. Headquarters mentions one picture in which President Mc William McKinley is prominently shown. Yeah? President McKinley stands by uh, R.J. Conk's side. Why, George, that's okay. Vic, you mean they'll show you and R.J. Conk and President William McKinley all standing together? Yeah. But President McKinley died before you were born, didn't he? No. Well, at least he died. When did he die? I don't recollect. Well, certainly a long time ago. Yes, it was a long time ago. 
Well, you can't expect people to swallow any pictures where you're a grown man and William McKinley is in the I'm not expecting sp- people to swallow anything. My gullies. As I said before, Sadie, I don't look to you to grasp the more or less delicate concepts involved. I hope not. I can just see company coming and looking at any such a business on the wall. My stars, isn't that President William McKinley? Yes, it is. And that fellow there is your husband? Yes. Well, jumping Jiminy, how old is Mr. Gook? Sadie, I'm afraid... Why don't you do it up brown? Have your Chicago fellas doctor up something where it shows you and Christopher Columbus. Sadie, I'm afraid... How much they want? Who? Lodge headquarters. How much they want for a picture of you and R.J. Conk and President McKinley? Ten dollars. Oh, my. I call ten dollars more than reasonable. A handsome frame goes with... Besides the the ten dollars you have to give them, there's money to be whipped out to pay for the photograph of you and your plumed hat and trash. True. However, I feel that in a worthwhile project such as this, a man is just Lodge, Lodge, money, money, money. I'm sure you agree with me when I... Lodge, Lodge, money, money, money. I suggest we drop this subject. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do. I've got a headache if I think about it anymore. Read, Rush. Read out loud from my book. Read. Is there any particular place you didn't Read it, Brandon. Lodge, Lodge, Lodge. Money, money, money. Read, Rush. Um, Third Lieutenant Clinton Stanley, how old was Raid? You're nothing but a crowd of counterfeiting South American witch doctors, he screamed. And I'm not afraid of the lot of you. Then, whirling swiftly around, he addressed Lady Margaret, who was smoothing out the folds in her dainty pink parasol. Come here, you, barked the handsome young officer. I want a kiss, and I want it quick. The beautiful woman tripped forward willingly, her soft, rounded arms outstretched. Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up at the next block. There's another free gift of 200 quality stamps now through July 3rd at your big star food stores in Carruthersville, Portageville, or Kennett. Bruce's in Carruthersville, Knuffles in Portageville, or Walsh's in Kennett. It's another big star bonus. Well, sir, it's early evening as we enter the small house halfway up in the next block now. And here in the living room, we find Mr. Victor Gook and young Mr. Rush Gook. This latter individual is established at the library table where he vigorously plies pencil to paper. Vic, athwart the Davenport in an attitude of ease, scans the newspaper. He puts it aside now, regards his son a moment, and remarks, You're most industrious this evening, smoke screen. Yeah. What's the nature of your occupation? I'm making a list of the individuals with whom I enjoy a speaking acquaintance. <laughs> Nicer Scott made a list of the individuals with whom he enjoys a speaking acquaintance. And by George, you'd be startled at the number. Which was it? Guess once. By speaking acquaintances, you refer to people? People you say hello to. Mailman, guy that comes to look at the gas meter, conductor on the West Market Street streetcar, you know. I suppose you include your friends. Yeah, and also relatives. Anybody on earth you say hello to when you meet them on the street is a speaking acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Guess how many individuals with whom Nicer Scott enjoys a speaking acquaintance? Well, let's see... 200? No. 300? Ridiculous. How many? 
655,921. He's got their names wrote down in black and white. There's not that many people in Peoria, Rockford, Moline, Springfield, Decatur, Hey, and... you want your shoes to hop off and hit the ceiling? Huh? You want your undershirt to explode in a million pieces? No. I found out something this afternoon that'll make your Sunday hat turn green. Sonny, hadn't you better take your algebra upstairs? There's going to be talking going on. I finished my algebra. Finished it? Miss Monroe gave us a very brief assignment for tomorrow. Very, very brief assignment. What are you doing there? Studying some of your other lessons? I'm making a list of the individuals with whom I enjoy a speaking acquaintance. You're going to enjoy a speaking acquaintance with something you won't like if that report card don't show better marks next time. Mm. I've changed my mind, kiddo. I want my shoes to hit the ceiling and my hat to turn green and my undershirt exploded. Ruthie Stembottom is not acquainted with Miss Harris. No? No. They've never been introduced. They enjoy a speaking acquaintance, don't they? No, they've never even so much as nodded at each other. By George, Mom, you've brought up a topic which fits right in with the conversation. Gavier and myself were speaking about individuals. You could have run over my big toe with a coal wagon. I was so astonished. Mm. Here's how I found out about it. Ruthie and I were downtown today and talking along about this and that on the way home. She says, say, how's Miss Harris's cold? I says, golly, I meant to run over and inquire, and it slipped my mind altogether. Ruthie says, I happened to think about her having such a bad cold when I was polishing furniture this morning, and it kind of halfway worried me with so many sick with flu. She's such a jolly, active woman, I hate to see her not feeling good. Mm -hmm. Understand now, it was Ruthie made that speech. Mm -hmm. I says, well, heaven, if it bothered you, why didn't you telephone? She says, how could I? I'm not acquainted with Miss Harris. Huh. <laughs> 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 Darndest thing you ever heard of. <laughs> Darndest thing you ever heard of. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you're not acquainted with Miss Harris, Ruthie? She says, why, I mean just that. We've never been introduced. <laughs> Darndest thing you ever heard of. <laughs> you could have chopped off my nose with a pound of butter. Uh-huh. By George, these pile up. Your list is speaking acquaintances? Yeah. Look here. Two pages chucked full of names. How many did you say were on Nicer's list? 655,921. Nicer Scott knows that many people? He knows them well enough to say hello to. Oh. He's got it all wrote down in black and white. Rush, old buggy whip. Think a minute. The figure you just quoted so glibly is more than 20 times larger than the figure representing the population of this whole city. The individuals with whom Nicer enjoys a speaking acquaintance ain't restricted to just this city. Does he know everybody in Minneapolis and St. Paul? I believe their combined populations amount to about 600,000. By George, he's got an uncle in St. Paul. With whom he enjoys a speaking acquaintance, I presume? Sure. And he's got relatives in Mena, Arkansas, Cleveland, Ohio... Somerset, Kentucky, and Sheridan, Indiana. Hmm. No joke, and they really count up. Well, just look at how many I got, and only been writing down names about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Ain't that the darndest thing, though? About Ruthie and my hair? Yes. Oh, you could have took a dish mouth and elected me king of Peoria. Mm -hmm. How long have we lived in this house? Seven years? Close to day. Lived in this house eight years, and I met Miss Harris the very first day and seen her every day since. I met Ruthie as soon as I moved here from Dixon, too. Makes eight years I've known her. 
And she's been here millions and millions and millions of times. And Miss Harris has been here millions and millions of times. And they've never met each other. Mm. <laughs> okay, Gus. Okay, what? I've completed the first hundred names of individuals with whom I enjoy a speaking acquaintance. You're going to be angry with me, Rush, but I might as well say it and not be an old hypocrite. I don't care about your first hundred speaking acquaintances. Listen, uh, Mr. Victor Gook, Mrs. Victor Gook, Mr. Fletcher Rush, Mr. Rush Gook, Mr. Smelly Clark. You Mr. enjoy a speaking acquaintance with yourself? I might as well include myself. As far as that goes, there's no reason why I couldn't be a speaking acquaintance of myself. Oh, there, Rush. Oh, yourself. How you feeling? Feeling great. How you feeling? Never better. Bye, George. What on earth is this now? A man talking to himself. You know, I thought they bumped into each other places. Ruthie and my hairs? <laughs> the more I think of it, the more you could put my leg in the tea kettle. Why didn't somebody introduce him at your thimble club? Miss Harris is not a member of the thimble club. Uh, church? Miss Harris goes to Park Inn. He's there on Allen Street. Uh. Bye, George. I just thought of a whole slew of speaking acquaintances. The kids I went through the different grades with at Edwards School. Let's see, uh, Paul Kiefer, Robert Murray, Everett Baldwin, Forrest Hillman, Ralph Trott, Joe Rosenberg, Harry Steffen, uh, Laura Getsky, Geraldine Bass. That Morning. goes dull. Huh? Your recital is slightly wearisome. I'll say. No, but ain't it surprising how many speaking acquaintances an individual enjoys? Yeah. Why, George, I bet if I keep on thinking them up, pretty soon I'll have as long a list as nicers. Mm. What if you walked down the street and bumped into all your speaking acquaintances at once? Yeah. Hello, Paul. Hello, Robert. Hello, Everett. Hello, Forrest. Hello, Ralph. Hello, Joe. Hello, Harry. Hello, Laura. Hello, Geraldine. Hello, Wilmore. Hello, Fred. Hello, Margaret. Oh, Hello. rash for mercy's sake. I am demonstrating what happened if you walked down the well, street. Well, give us a rest. Mm. I tell you the thing about it that gets me. Oh, about my Harrison, Ruthie? Which, uh... All these years, they've talked like they knew each other. Ruthie will say, did Miss Harris receive that letter from her sister explaining about Arthur's foot? Ruthie? Mm. <laughs> <See? laughs> uh, Miss Harris has said 40,000 times, what did Ruthie wear at such and such a place? Her little blue or the tan frock with insertion? Mm. Just from listening to me, they understand everything about each other. Clothes and relatives and little sicknesses and everything. Mm. But never met. Mm. <laughs> sort of another whole slew of speaking acquaintances. The guys I've had in my Sunday school classes through the years. Let's see. Uh, Fred Ray, Merlin Beeson, Russell Herman, Ed Bennett, Sam Bavister, uh, William Cleveland, Charles Matas, John Boyland, Clement Costigan... Jack Sweeney, Albert Why, George, if I go on at this rate, I'll beat Nicer's list. I asked Ruthie. I said, surely, Ruthie, you bumped into each other lots of times. Downtown, grocery store, in the Gamblesons and around. She says, yes, we have, many times. I says, well, for goodness sakes, why didn't you speak? She says, well, I thought of it, but something always kind of held me back. Guess I was afraid I'd make myself look pushy. Uh -huh. And I'll just bet you nine dollars that's the way Miss Harris felt. Afraid if she spoke, Ruthie might get the notion she was pushy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, darn the thing you ever heard of. Mm -hmm. Why, gracious sakes, a lot. Seven, six, nine, eight, eight, please. What's all this now? Getting in touch. Correct. Nature's nuts. Why, gracious sakes, a lot. If it'd been me, I'd have walked up to Miss Harris and said, 
Miss Harris, I'm Ruthie Sambottom, and you know I'm oh, Ruthie Sambottom. Oh, my. Oh, just sitting around. Yeah. Say, I'm making a list of speaking acquaintances. I haven't counted them, but there's plenty. Pretty soon I expect to have you be. Oh, is that so? How many added on? What's your grand total? Ah. Uh, ah, uh, go on. I guess this is enough of this conversation. So long. How many? Huh? How many speaking acquaintances is nice you got? Two billion, one hundred and eight million, six hundred and ninety seven thousand four hundred and eighty three. Mm. Ain't that the darndest thing, though? Uh, about you my hair? Yeah. Ain't that the darndest thing? concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block. And so we leave Mrs. Beach and Chris goes Vic and Sade until the next time. Don't forget to listen. Wash your pretty things and ivory flakes, they're fast and gentle too. Pretty things stay soft and lovely, so it's ivory flakes for you. Undies, sweaters, and slips and nighties too. Keep them looking lovely, lady, yes, it's ivory flakes for you. Ivory flakes are the fast flake form of baby's pure, mild ivory soap. Just the ticket for anything that needs gentle washing care. Your pretty rayon nightgowns, for instance. They need ivory flakes. Remember, rayons have to be weaker when it's wet. Yes, don't risk your bright rayon nightgowns in strong soaps. Wash those pretty tea rose gowns, those cool blues and soft pinks, in lukewarm ivory flake suds and help them stay lovely longer. That's what we did with the blue Cordicelli rayon nightgown. Washed it 35 consecutive times in ivory flakes and helped it stay looking nice as new. That's a fact. The delicate blue was still soft and lovely. So don't think your nighties have to be faded after just a few washings. Not when you use ivory flakes. That way you can suds them and save them. Undies, sweaters, and slips and nighties too. Keep them looking lovely, lady. Yes, it's ivory flakes for you. This program came to you from Chicago and New York. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Mm.